Today's podcast is brought to you by Bespoke Post. Bespoke Post is a monthly membership club delivering awesome boxes of top shelf goods from under the radar brands and small businesses. It's free to join. Every month, Bespoke Post introduces their members to cool new products such as outdoor gear, barware, home and kitchen goods, clothing, and even oysters based on a preference quiz they fill out when signing up. Here's how it works. You'll get a box assigned to you at the start of each month based on your preferences, and before it's shipped, you'll get a preview of what's to come inside to decide if you like it. You can one, keep it, two, swap it for a different box or offer, or three, skip the month entirely for absolutely no charge. You will only pay for what you want. The box lineup changes every month, so you will always have a chance to find something new you're really into. And there's always free shipping, easy returns, and no hassles ever. You can unbox something new every month in a club hundreds of thousands strong. To get 20% off of your monthly subscription to Bespoke Post, use code CaseyAndRay20 at checkout. That's code CaseyAndRay20 at checkout. This podcast is part of the Deluxe Edition Network. To find other great shows on the network, head over to DeluxeEditionNetwork.com. That's DeluxeEditionNetwork.com. Hold on to that. Welcome back to the Shit Show 2.0. Okay, Boomer. Damn millennials. Wow. <laughs> Did not know that. Even flirters who who are obviously mentally ill. You want to be my wife? Oh, this is gonna go downhill real quick. What is going on? And welcome to Take On the World with Casey and Ray. And me, Mike D. What's up? I was lost there for a second. <laughs> <laughs> You're not yeah. having a stroke, are you? Good thing. Good thing we took the time to go over it beforehand, so <laughs> I didn't screw it up. <laughs> How's it going, guys? Good, man. Going good. You guys both you know you're going. <laughs> yeah. I'm dealing with snow, bro. Fuck snow. God. I think I got like 30 hours overtime this last week doing snow. Is is that a good thing or a bad thing? You mean like shoveling snow or like snow? <laughs> <laughs> Watching the inmates shovel snow. Nah. <laughs> it's a good That's thing. A good thing. I, I, I'm gonna uh, when I get. I just take comp time and I cash it out all at once, and that'll pay for my trip to Belize. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> So that's when you that's when he's shoveling the the other side. Yeah, <laughs> the booger sugar. That's it. Belize is one of my uh bucket list dive areas. So I finally get to go and dive scuba dive in Belize. Awesome. I get all this in a wetsuit. I was gonna say, do you just like you just jump in and sink to the bottom and stand there? Pretty much so. Or do you float? Uh actually I I have major buoyancy problems. Like I have a hard time getting underwater if I'm wearing a full seven mil wetsuit. Yeah. So if it's warmer water, I just I just wear rash guards. Yeah, none of that makes any sense to me, but I'm sure other people will understand that. Who anybody who scuba dives, I think I have like 34 pounds of weight on me when I go in, extra oh, weight. Shit. Yeah. So I'm here to take over, guys. Well, they go, go ahead. ahead. Yeah, we just gonna sit here and drink beer. Okay, <laughs> that sounds like fun. So um, when Casey asked me to do the takeover. I'm like, uh, what should I, I want to do? Something that fits your show, pop culture, but some also fits what what we do, like a little bit of history and and murder and mayhem. So uh, I picked the uh, Bob Crane murder, which uh, now I'm sure Ray was a Hogan Tiros fan. Absolutely, I loved Hogan Tiros. Uh, yeah. Casey probably never watched it. <laughs> Anytime that the toilet flips up and there's tunnels underneath it and people are escaping and you know all that, I'm all in on that. Yeah, that, that was all good. So, so uh, 
I don't remember the murder. I was like eight years old when it happened. So, but I remember like the aftermath and the trial of the person who was accused of it. So I'm gonna give a little history of, of Bob Crane and then we'll get into what happened. The history is very important to the possible motive for the murder. So Bob Crane was born July 13th, 1928 in Connecticut. Uh, he started playing drums at a young age. Uh, he played in a band, the orchestra, marching band, and the jazz band at school. In 1948, he enlisted in the Connecticut National, the Army National Guard, uh, and he received an honorable discharge in 1950. In 1949, he married his high school sweetheart, Ann Terzen. Probably pronounced that wrong. They had three kids, Robert, Deborah, Karen, and he was murdered on June 29th, 1978. So I was eight years old. You were around at that time, right? Right. You were you were a little little youngster at that time, right? What what year was that? Seventy eight. Yeah, I was six. But I'm a very advanced individual, so yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty familiar with this story because I find it fascinating. Yeah, yeah there, there's a lot of cool shit with it. I so I didn't know anything like Mike told me, but I I just asked Mike the other day what what are we going to talk about, and uh, he told me. And I hadn't, I really, I knew the name, but I had nothing, I knew nothing about it. And uh, yeah, wow, what a fucking story. Great, great story to pick, man. Did you actually watch Autofocus? I did. I watched Autofocus just okay. today. Great movie. And and like, I'm sure we'll get into it, but you mentioned like uh, the drumming. Is Greg Kinnear a real, uh, was he a real drummer? Uh, does anybody know? Because I mean, he looked pretty good at doing that. I'm not sure. I never saw Autofocus. Quite honestly, anyone can pretend to play the fucking drums, Casey. <laughs> okay. I can play the drums. It's not that fucking difficult. Uh, <clears throat> so I, I, I guess kind of music was in his blood because he, his first real job uh, in 1950, uh, he started a career in radio broadcasting in New York. And then he moved to Connecticut, and then he moved to another place in New York. Then he moved to California. Every place he went, his show was, like, number one. And every time he moved, he would better his position. He so when started he got, out as a DJ, right? A DJ, yeah. and he would, like, play drums in the... He would like, do interviews, in play drums. He'd do just all kinds of wacky shit. He, he was a witty dude in, in real life. And I guess for that time, he was handsome. I think I look better, but uh, that's me. So he was very well received by everybody that he worked with. He was very well received by his guests. Everybody thought he was cordial and kind. And to the most part, he was. Even, even with the stuff that comes up later with, the, with his family, his kids said he was always a great dad. Like, he might have been a shitty husband, but he was always a great dad. Yeah, well, who's, who's a good husband? <laughs> Truth. <laughs> Truth. <laughs> So when he moved to L.A., he quickly became the cornerstone of their rating surge. And he was interviewing like Marilyn Monroe, Frank Sinatra, Bob Hope, like all A-list people. And because of those interviews, it got him connected to the movie business. And uh, it led to some like small TV appearances. Uh, some things were uncredited. Some things were, were credited. He guest hosted for Johnny Carson on a daytime show, and I don't know this show. Who do you trust? I never yeah, heard of it. I had never heard of that before either. Hmm. Who do you trust? I vaguely know of it, but I couldn't tell you any of the details beyond you probably shouldn't trust anybody. Yeah, truth. <laughs> he had appearances on a Twilight Zone, Channing, Alfred Hitchcock Presents, and General Electric Theater. After uh, interviewing Carl Reiner, Bob Crane pers uh, persuaded Reiner to put him in as a guest appearance on the Dick Van Dyke show. And from that, and the success of that, parlayed him to a regular spot on the Donna Reed show. So now he's building his TV and an acting career. Uh, he was doing both his radio show and he did his spot on Donna Reed until 1964. And then 1965, he was offered a lead role role that he was most famous for, which was uh, Colonel Hogan and Hogan's Heroes. And again, if you don't know Hogan's Heroes, that's a shame because it is, it's a, it was a controversial show at the time because it was only 20 years after the end of the war 
and there was still a lot of bad blood uh, with the Nazis. And here he is, he's spoofing on them. He's joking about the situations that, that were in World War II. And, you know, some people didn't like it, but most people did. It was a very highly rated show. It aired from 65 to 71. The show was set to follow World War II as uh, comedic escapades of a group of allied prisoners, POWs, held in the German prison camp. They would do stuff behind enemy lines to try to help the allies. They would m manipulate the German prison guards. Now, I'm not like I, I wasn't familiar with this show too much, and I'm, I never really watched MASH either. Was MASH before, after or like at the same time as the show? I think they overlapped a little bit. Pretty sure MASH is after because isn't MASH from the 70s? It is, but it, it might have started in 71. There might have been a small overlap, but I'm not positive. If but, only we had a way to I look say this, this up. I say this all the time. If only there was some <laughs> device you could hold in your hand. 1972 uh, it started, and it okay. ran for 11 seasons. Here's what I will say. MASH was in color, and Hogan's Heroes was black and white, so I'm pretty sure that Hogan was, or was it yes. black? Maybe I just watched it on a black and white TV. <laughs> Hogan was in color. Okay. I probably started watching it on a black and white TV because, you know, I grew up, you know, shit, rat, poor. But the, the best thing about Hogan there, Casey, is they had tunnels all underneath. They were uh, POWs. Oh, so okay. They had tunnels, and they would actually just leave and go do things and then come back to the POW <laughs> camp. The one guard, uh, Schultz. Sergeant Schultz. Sergeant Schultz would be like, I know nothing. I see nothing. <laughs> and like the other dude, uh, the one with the, the eyeglass. What the hell is Colonel Clink. Clink would be like, Hogan. <laughs> Shake his fist like that. Fucking great show. Great show. So, and there was, there was some, what will become some pretty big names in, in the, uh, the show. Uh, Werner Klemper was uh, Colonel Clink. And he was nominated five times for daytime Emmys. Or primetime Emmys, he won twice. Sergeant shows it was John Banner, and I'm not sure, I, I know he was in other stuff. I just can't. I didn't write it down. I don't remember it. And then Richard Dawson was in the show. Yeah. So, and he he actually took somebody else's place. Mm -hmm. He wasn't. I don't think he was in the first season, and then they brought him in and he took someone else's place. He's most notable for his role in The Running Man. Yes. <laughs> yes. Now, uh, all right. I'll, I'll let you. I'll let you continue because I have some questions about Richard Dawson. Once we get into the story a little more, okay. So when it was canceled in '71, it was still a popular show. So nobody quite knew why it got canceled. Maybe it was just time. They thought it was the end of its run, but it was still a popular, highly rated show. But th the whole time, Bob was coming up through all that other stuff. He had a huge secret that people close to him knew, but nobody talked about. Uh, he had a, what, what we now would call a sexual addiction. And they're thinking that it, it ended up ending his first marriage. And they're thinking that it could have led to one of the theories is it could have led to his death. And that's this was the 60s and 70s when it was, you know, uh, the mid to late 60s, the whole attitude about sex and, and, uh, open exchange of sex was was changing like drastically the era of free love it made it easy to indulge in these kind of things and from some of the research i found like he didn't think he was doing anything wrong like he didn't feel like he was doing anything wrong that nobody should feel embarrassed by it uh but hey, the just, studios like frowned on it yeah he's just being a guy like in the, watching that movie what in that movie autofocus um like he said that several times like to to his body like pe to people that knew like to that that knew the secret and he was just like i'm just being a like it's normal it's, i'm just being a guy i'm just being a regular person and it's like well <laughs> not really <laughs> maybe not technically when you're good looking and you have money and you're a celebrity the, the world's a different place casey you can pretty much do anything you want and just go, eh, that's normal. <laughs> well, I think in his head, that's what that's what he was doing. Yeah, but that's, I mean, it's 
even though i mean it's still fucking real life i mean you still you can't just go around doing that you know what i mean no matter if you're a celebrity i mean and, and if people do i mean just oh, keep it a little quieter you can't tell me there aren't celebrities that are doing the exact same thing today oh i'm sure there are and i'm sure there's like the those parties and everything that that he was going to like the orgies and all that stuff but uh, you know i know that i know that they're that the, i know people that have been to those things like that but for the most part they tend to keep it a little more hush hush well i mean and for the most part he was too he was trying to at least for for a long time the the funny thing about him is he didn't really like he didn't really drink much or smoke but he would always go to bars and clubs because that's where the women were he'd go to these parties and he, he would maybe have a drink or two but he was not a drinker like you would think robert downey jr the dude was trashed all the time with all the women around him. You know, it, it just, he, he was just a different person. He, they said he was, he, he was an upright man otherwise. So about that time is when home electronics started becoming a thing. That was too expensive for the regular person, but for a celebrity, it wasn't, it wasn't that hard to get. And Richard Dawson introduced Bob Crane to uh, John Henry Carpenter. Yeah, and so nobody confuses it with the John Carpenter from the, the movies. It's not the same guy. In fact, somebody was arguing with me. I was talking to him about this at work, and he was arguing with me that no, no, it's it's John Carpenter the movie guy. I said no, it's not. No, no, bad people always get three names. Yeah, yes, <laughs> and he's yeah that that John Carpenter's has he passed away in like the I think two thousands early two thousands, but. All right, so you mentioned Richard Richard Dawson was the guy that introduced him, and that they they show that in the movie as well. In the movie, it's kind of a little different. He meets him like in the parking lot, and then he he says that he's friends with Richard, and that's how. And then they all meet up later. But if that is the case, do, are we led to believe that Dawson might have been into the same stuff, or or no, that he just introduced him to? It's never mentioned because dawson was like dawson was he was a weird he was always kissing the women on the family feud yeah like he, he was he was a little creepy as well uh, yeah and uh i mean that's been commented on in other areas but i there there was nothing here that said that richard dawson had any part in this other than bob crane and richard dawson must have been good friends from being on the set all the time because richard dawson ended up being his best man at his, his second wedding yeah so this uh john henry carpenter he was a re regional sales executive for sonycom which later became just sony and so it it put the technology in bob crane's hands to videotape his sexual ex escapades with all these women and photograph and, and all so he had albums and albums of photographs of women he had hundreds and thousands of hours of tape uh videotape of him, him having sex with women and i guess yeah john carpenter too because he was doing the same thing yeah and and together they were they were felt like john henry carpenter was filming him and and uh bob crane was filming carpenter and and they they would set it up on a tripod and film themselves with uh with other with women and together and that that was also um, I had read that it that it had been questioned whether like he was bi or not, um, that he possibly might have been having relations with uh, that John Henry Carpenter as well. But in the movie, they're watching one of their tapes together, and uh, Willem Dafoe plays uh, John Henry Carpenter, and then uh, I mentioned earlier Greg Kinnear plays um, Bob Crane. But Bob uh, Bob Crane is like, pause, pause that for a second, pause that. What the hell is that on my ass there? He goes, "Can you rewind that? Can you re can you rewind that?" And he's like, "Yeah, yeah, I can I can rewind it." So he re rewinds it and he like gets real close to the to the TV and it's like they're real grainy images. And he goes, "What is that? What is that right there?" And Willem Dafoe goes, "Well, that's my hand." <laughs> and he goes, and and Bob Crane was like, "What the fuck, dude?" He's like, "That you had your fingers up my ass." He's like, he goes, well, you seem to be, you seem to like it at the time. And he goes, <laughs> he goes, I thought it was her. I thought it was the woman. What the fuck, dude? <laughs> like, so he was like very clear. And like, they actually stopped talking for a time uh, in the movie anyway, after that. 
So, but I mean, like he's had, you know, he's having sex in the same room with the dude, and I don't know, little bumpy bump. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> well, Crane and Carpenter would go to clubs, and they would team up to pick up women. Basically, Crane would draw them in, and Carpenter would be like have a show of money and get them to come back to either his place or the the hotel room or wherever they they had their their stuff set up and this was happening right under his wife's nose they said his son robert found out that his father was unfaithful when he was 16 and uh him and his wife were married for 21 years so like the the wife must have known for quite some time Oh, yeah. Um, you had mentioned, sorry to cut you off here, but you, you had mentioned the photos like prior prior to him getting all of the uh, the video equipment from Carpenter. Uh, he was taking Polaroids of all the women that he was with and like get getting them to flash him for the Polaroids. He, he had a, in the movie he had a thing called, uh, <laughs> the 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 uh, the smile picture. He would say smile and they'd flash their their breasts. Um, and he had like, you know, hundreds of those pictures, photo, like albums of those photos. So prior to that, yeah, he was prior to getting the video equipment, he was taking pictures of them. So, who you know, who knows how many women he was ever with. So uh, in, in 1968, Crane had an affair with Cynthia Lynn, who played Helga on Hogan's Heroes. And Hel uh, Cynthia Lynn was replaced with Patricia Olson. Her, her name was... Her stage name was Sigrid Valdis. And then when Cynthia Lynn left, Patricia Olsen came in. He started a relationship with her. I guess that was serious because that ended his marriage after 21 years. Uh, they divorced, Bob and Ann divorced in 1970. And later that same year, Crane married Olsen on the set of Hogan's Heroes with Richard Dawson as his best man which raised some eyebrows about him so newly divorced and getting married on the set because, you know, back then, a lot of this stuff was hidden from the public by the, the studios. Like the studios didn't want this stuff out. Anything that, that could be a detriment to them put money in their pocket, they didn't want people to know. Nowadays, it's less of an issue because so people are so sterile to it. But back then, it was, you know, it was still a big thing. So some people were... were like, I, I can't believe they're doing this on the set, but okay. <laughs> Olsen and him had a, a child, Scotty, in 1971, and he'll come in again really later, later on after everything's said and done. Now, apparently Olsen knew all about these affairs. She didn't mm -hmm. partake in them, but, like, she knew what was going on. So before we move on, Mike, I got to ask, what kind of lunatic gets married more than once? I don't know. <laughs> One who likes driving a car into a brick wall. I don't know. Yeah, that's like, I'm going to smash my head into a fucking wall. It didn't hurt enough the first time. So now I'm going to run faster yeah. into the same brick wall. And so, I hope it feels better. Oh, that's quite not quite enough blood. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, what I've been doing, I talked about this on the show coming out this Thursday. I do all my research. And then I'll stick it into ChatGPT to make me a script with the research that I wrote. And mm -hmm. ChatGPT corrected my research and said that he was married three times. But they listed Olsen and Sigrid as two separate wives, but it's the same person. Uh, same yeah. person, yeah. You can't do that. You know what you do? You get information and you just go, hey, Casey, here's what I want to talk about. So figure <laughs> it out. <laughs> that's what john does to me <laughs> you mentioned i i hate to be speaking to johnny i hate to be johnny jump ahead here but you mentioned the son that they had together in the movie when he, when he mentions that that she's pregnant his manager said i thought you had a vasectomy he had had a vasectomy right and but he says in the movie he says it didn't take or it leaks he said it leaks when she got pregnant and when they got married, they're like, she would have had to had the baby like right away if, if the vasectomy took. So they say he had the vasectomy in 68. He was divorced in 70. 
and he was married that same year. So if so, here's my take on that. I think he lied so that any paternity test would come back. He could just say, I had a vasectomy. My doctor gave me a little note here that said, yep, vasectomy. And he never had it. Well, that very well could be. I go down rabbit holes. I was reading about this. Uh, it came out later. It, he, he, they, someone admitted it was from someone else. It wasn't his child. Scotty. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I, I, I didn't come across that at all. We'd have to look at pictures to see if he's as good looking as his dad or if he's an ugly fuck. Like, uh, he, he actually got into acting. And like he's Adam not Sandler. Like if he looks like Adam Sandler and little Nikki, there's a good <laughs> shot. He ain't his kid. He's not a bad looking dude. And he got into acting for a while. I don't know if he still yeah. is, but yeah, um, no, I, I read that, that, uh, that it came out later that, uh, she, she was pregnant prior to them getting together. Hey, Hollywood's crazy like that. I don't know. They got together in 68 or 69 <laughs> and they had oh. Scotty in 71. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Hollywood's a crazy place, Mike. <laughs> Math doesn't even work out there. <laughs> speaking of that, speaking of that, we talked to uh, Catherine Mary Stewart two weeks ago. Speaking of math, how math doesn't work in Hollywood. Night of the Comet and uh, what's the other movie. one? The Last Starfighter. They're they're forty years old, and she's only forty five. How how does that work? <laughs> really? Oh, okay. <laughs> In a world where podcasts have become bland and stale, one podcast dares to stand above. Barrel Age Flicks Podcast. We're reviewing drinks, breaking down movies, busting each other's balls, and we're big in Hong Kong. Barrel Age Flicks Season 4. It's in the bottle. Yeah, yo. Available on Spotify, Apple Music, Audible, iHeartRadio, TikTok, YouTube, Patreon, and OnlyFans. Also in 1968, uh, while they were still doing Hogan's Heroes, the cast of Hogan's Heroes, it was Colonel Clink, Sergeant Schultz, Leon Askin. I don't know who the hell that is. They did a movie together called The Wicked Dreams of Paula Schultz, and the movie was panned. It was panned by critics. It was panned by uh, <laughs> fans. Nobody liked it. Maybe that's why they ended Hogan's Heroes in, in 71. So what, this was a spinoff of Hogan's Heroes, a movie? No, it was just a movie that they all got involved in and did together. Oh, okay. Prior to Hogan's Heroes, or during Hogan's Heroes, when they had off time, Crane would do dinner theater. He would, you know, kind of get his celebrity out there, and he'd, he'd get paid to go do dinner theater all over the country. So after Hogan's Heroes ends, that's that's what he started doing on a regular basis, traveling dinner theater. And apparently uh, he would do it in a way where him and John Carpenter could meet up in places do their thing, do their videotaping, and uh, it wasn't really interrupted by that. He didn't do much. He had a couple appearances, and then in 73, uh, he, he was offered a, leading, offered a leading role in Disney's Super, Super Dad. And the thing about that was he was supposed to be this wholesome, goofy father who was trying to be cool with his, his, his daughter's friends. And But while he was on the set, he was bringing those photo albums in and like showing them off, like hey, look at these titties. Look at the, look at this chick I was, I was sleeping. Look at look at this, and like everybody like, will hold it. You, 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 Disney's like you, you can't do that, dude. <laughs> like get that shit out of here. This is Disney. This like it's not Disney today. It was Disney back then where it was wholesome, right? Uh, yeah, milk and cookies. Disney today is like oh Eddie Murphy, you want to play a donkey even though you're banging transvestites in the middle of the night? Yeah, we don't care. <laughs> yeah. You're wholesome. Come on down. <laughs> totally different world. Uh, but again, like I said, he Bob didn't feel like he was doing anything wrong. And and that, that was a cool, guy. That, that was now, according to his son. And, and technically, technically, he actually didn't do anything wrong. Technically. Because I, don't know. I think I think HR would disagree. <laughs> well, but technically, if you got a big fucking camera set up in the room, like women should obviously see. Like we're not talking about little micro cameras inside a teddy no, no, bear. No, no, no. We're talking no, about big giant fucking cameras. 
Yeah, and plus these are the you're, what Mike's talking about is what he was going because they they show this in the movie as well. Uh, when he got the the Super Dad's gig, he was taking the the photo album around like there was it was books and books yeah. of Polaroids. Well, once again. So, well, that's what I mean. So once again, right? What what Ray's saying is right. These women were like he, he smile, and they were showing their breasts, yeah, it, it wasn't, knowing it wasn't that he was taking illegal. their photo. It wasn't anything illegal. It was something that the studio would find morally. Oh, right. You can't. I mean, yeah. You question. I mean, it, yeah. It, they're upset if a woman shows her fucking ankles for fuck's sake back then. That's true. What what year right, was like, when 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 two uh, man and a woman finally laid in the same bed on TV? Right. What year yeah. was that? That was it. Wasn't uh, Lucy Lucille Ball? No. Yeah. Yeah. That. Yeah. I think it was. Uh, I think it was on I Love Lucy. Could have been. But what you know what they used to like this is a sidetrack. You know what they used to do? So they weren't in bed together. They would put a hole in the middle of the bed, and one of them put their foot through the hole and touched the floor with their, their foot. And that way they could say they weren't lying in bed together. Yes. Yeah, but what you know, this is the ridiculous part about that whole thing. What married couple didn't sleep in the same bed in 1652? Like, I don't understand why that was a thing on TV. Like, oh, my God, we can't show married people in the same bed. I've never understood that. I don't know. Like, I never understood the whole pajamas and nightcap thing that they put dudes in on TV. I never <laughs> understood that. <laughs> I've never worn pajamas and nightcap to bed. I still want to uh, get some, though. Mary Kay and Johnny was the first program to show a couple sharing a bed together in 1948. She became uh, Mary Kay became pregnant in 1948. And after unsuccessfully trying to hide her pregnancy, the producers wrote it into the show. 1948. So it's a, it's a while, while ago. Oh, I thought it was well after that. Yeah, there was something significant in Lucy, though, that happened because that because we had talked about that on uh, we did a, a quiz show on here. It was I think it was you you versus Bill Ray. Uh, yeah, did I was, win? Uh, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even remember doing that. I can't okay. imagine why. <laughs> <laughs> So Disney, rather than uh, like take the chance of being publicly embarrassed, they s just quietly cut ties with Crane, and uh, he had one small role. He never had a lead role with with Disney again. He had one small role three three years later, and that was his last Disney appearance. And it was in a film called Gus. Never heard of it. Yeah, uh, has any did anyone ever see that Super Dad's movie? No, no, those early 70s, mid 70s, uh, Disney movies, Disney. and I, I couldn't do it, like, they, they just did not. I was too busy watching horror films, Damn, so he, he went back to doing dinner theater to make money. He had a couple roles on, like, Police Woman, Quincy, Love Boat, and I think the Love Boat appearance was his last TV appearance. But all through this whole thing, his activities with Carpenter ne never ceased. Yeah, and prior to doing the, like, the whole time that he was on Hogan's Heroes, too, he it might have mentioned the, the dinner theater thing, but in the movie uh, Autofocus, he was, um, they were showing him, like, playing in a band at, a sh at strip clubs, like different strip clubs around uh, L.A., I guess it was. Well, he would do that when they went to, anytime he, they went to a club, if there was a drum set there, he would do that to help attract the women. Gotcha. Okay. He would just go up, start playing the drums because he wasn't a drinker or a smoker. So it, that was more his style. And that, that would get the women flocking to him. Everybody likes a musician. Hell yeah, they do. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, he and Olsen separated in, in 1977. And their divorce was set to be final just a few weeks after crane died so now we're to the actual meat and potatoes mm. uh, june 29th 1978 he was living in a temporary residence in scottsdale arizona basically when he went and he did these dinner theaters for 
say it was a two week engagement or whatever, uh, that was part of his deal. He would get an apartment that someplace where he could stay. And, uh, so he was staying and, and this, they, they show the apartment on the inside. It looks like a shitty apartment, but you see the place from that. So it's condos. Yeah. Like you look at it from the outside, it's condos. So, uh, it had separate rooms. It wasn't like you walked in and the bed was in the living room. Right. Well, his bed was probably in the living room because it's easier to film there. <laughs> probably. <laughs> he didn't want to go any further than the living room. Yeah. Uh, he was doing a show called Beginner's Luck, which I never heard of either. Crane was supposed to be at a lunch meeting with his uh, dinner theater co-star, Victoria Ann Barry. And... Uh, he didn't show up. She got concerned. Barry went to Crane's apartment, discovered the body amid a grisly crime scene. Uh, the thing is, when they found the body, they couldn't identify him. Because the way he was laying, that side of his face was crushed in. There was, uh, he was found on a bed, shirtless, and partially covered by a flowered bed sheet. He was bludgeoned to death. There were gashes on his forehead, which caused profuse bleeding because there was blood everywhere. There was blood on the walls. There was blood... On the pillow, there was blood on a mirror. The pillow was soaked with blood. The mattress was stained uh, on the ceiling. So they could not identify him right away. They, they, they figured this is who it is because it was supposed to be here, but they couldn't identify him. Uh, after learning that the apartment was leased by Windmill Dinner Theater, the police asked the manager of the theater, Ed Beck, to come identify the corpse. Uh, after the medical examiner rolled him over, looked at the other side of his face. He had his Bob Crane. But uh, Scottsdale Police Department did not have a homicide division at the time. And yeah, that's pretty crazy to me. Like, 1978, like, was nobody getting killed in Scottsdale, Arizona in the They 70s? had three like, murders that year, including Cranes. Holy shit. In the entire year. Would you want your tax dollars going to a whole division dedicated to three murders? No, no, you would just have your, I, your, your cops handle it. Fuck, I could handle that. If my neighborhood had three murders, I could figure it out. I could save the taxpayers a lot of money. The problem was and, the Scottsdale Police is, Department could not handle it. Yeah, they and yet this is everything. still unsolved. Yeah. <laughs> they screwed up every single thing about this investigation. They had called his family, and his family flew in. They let the family, before the crime scene was was completely uh, gone through let the family come through and take stuff out of the room uh so any evidence could have been gone uh crane's blood was Not only that you're you're contaminating like the fingerprints yep. everything well keep in mind though they don't have dna testing or any of that shit back then no there was yeah. dna testing but it was in its infancy That's so I mean, it, it wasn't real no it, it in fact the the uh, that was a little Johnny jump ahead because they tested the, the blood three times over the next 20 years. Yeah. There was blood on uh, Crane's day planner, which uh, I guess it was close to his, his daughter's high school graduation because there was blood all over the date. I'm not sure what that had to do anything, but that was in the research. So they used that day planner to get contacts of all the women that he had because they're going through the apartment now. They're finding all these books with all these pictures, they're finding these thousands and thousands of hours of videotapes. And now this comes to the light of the public. The public knows what he was up to now, because as soon as it hit the media that Bob Crane was killed in Scottsdale, it became a circus. And the investigators realized, holy shit, we're out of our depth. The other thing about the crime scene, there was an electrical cord wrapped around Crane's neck. Uh, and that that's a, a, a choke or a stabbing uh, usually signifies a, a personal connection in some way with the, the victim. The violent and gruesome details of the murder suggest a level of intimacy or personal connection between Crane and his assailant. So <laughs> I don't know who came in to uh, investigate this after Scottsdale. They don't really say, but they did call for help. It was probably the state police. They're, they're uh, homicide detec detectives. But by the time they got there, everything was so screwed up. They, there was evidence mishandled. Blood evidence was mishandled. It was just, it was horrible. So 
when they found out about the uh, videotape equipment, like this is high end stuff. They discovered that discovery led him to John Carpenter and he quickly became the lead suspect in the whole thing. Not only was Carpenter one of the last people to see Crane alive, the word murder weapon turned out to be a camera tripod. And, and like Casey said, these weren't like the camera I have out here. They, no. they were these big ass cameras and they had big, thick tripods, like almost like studio tripods. They were heavy as shit. Well, that's another thing that I read, though, that it was always said that it was a camera tripod, but they were never 100% sure about that because it was never found. The murder oh. weapon was never found. They that had, I didn't they know. Had, yeah, they had always just assumed that it was a, a camera tripod. So now you johnnyed me again because he always finds some fact that I can't find. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, that's that's the, the 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 shitty thing is is that they said, well, it, that's probably what it was, but uh, you know, yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna jump ahead. You go ahead. So they 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 went to they, they found out that a carpenter had a car rental, and they went through his car and they found blood evidence and tissue evidence in the car. Uh, the bub the blood type matched cranes, but like you said, DNA was nowhere near what it was now what it is now like they couldn't get any kind of definitive match at all bob's son had said in the weeks leading up to the the homicide that crane was saying that carpenter had become a nuisance in his life and he wanted to end the friendship probably crane got sick of just pulling all the chicks and this guy getting to bang everybody <laughs> my theory is is that he got now now he's not as famous anymore so he doesn't have the money to throw around so the hanger-ons have to fucking go. That was That's also brought too. up in the in the movie too. They were they were like uh Bob had said he wanted to like stop it all and and give it up and like change his life around and stuff and uh it, that was one of the things. He was like, you know, you don't think you're pulling all these chicks yourself, right? He's like, it's me. It's me that that's bringing the chicks into you, you know? Yeah. And that, that's what they were, they were thinking that he got pissed off uh, and that he's the one that killed him. But yeah. also uh, if Casey put his finger up my ass, I'd probably have some lingering issues with that. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that was, that's exactly what the police talk, not the finger in the butt, but, uh, Carpenter without Crane would have no way to continue to feed his own sex addiction. Yeah. Uh, so DNA testing was done on samples from the rental again in 1990. And the age of the samples left the test inconclusive. Uh, the tissue samples were lost due to some kind of clerical error. So they couldn't be, couldn't be tested. But they, they did have detailed photos of the tissue samples that they had. And a scientist confirmed that, yes, it was brain matter yeah. in the car. That's my favorite part of this whole story. Dude's driving around in a bloody car with brains in it, and they're like, we're not sure if he did it. <laughs> the tripod's not in there. I guess he's innocent. Going to have to let him go. Uh, so the judge had ruled that the results were admissible, even though they were inconclusive. In June 1992, John Carpenter was charged with murder, and the, the trial did not go well for the prosecution at all the defense really did an excellent job of getting his dude right. off. They did some OJ level shit on this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they did. They highlighted all of the police errors. They highlighted mishandling of evidence. They highlighted the fact that the family was in to get stuff out. Uh, there were two witnesses that saw Bob and John having dinner together the night before, and they seemed, everything seemed okay. And, and they used that to say, well, look, there's no bad blood. Yeah. They weren't arguing. They were having a nice dinner together. Uh, the, the defense also offered a theory that a husband or boyfriend of one of Crane's conquests was likely responsible. And they provided some evidence, including a man who taped a mutilated picture of Bob Crane on his ex-girlfriend's door because Bob Crane had banged her while they were together. Oh, sure. See, I didn't, I didn't read that. I missed that. Uh, uh, I'm sure there's a lot of angry husbands out there that were like, yeah, fuck that guy. I'm glad he got his head bashed in. I'm sure there is. Even uh, his ex-wife, Anne, was floated as a suspect. So, look, th there was plenty of reasonable doubt. He was acquitted of all charges. 
And then uh, John Carpenter died in 1998. So Robert's son still maintained that Carpenter was guilty. But, you know, family can never let go. Like, if, if everything pointed to one person, you know, and I'm saying, look, uh, no tripod, but there's, there's blood and brains in the car. This is probably the dude. Yeah, if you find my brains in Casey's car, he killed me. <laughs> <laughs> That's, I'm so, flat out. I'm telling you that right now. He's all not because going, of an Aaron butt touch. It's because it's of an Aaron <laughs> butt touch. And if my brains are in Casey's car, it's not just magically I threw it in there myself. You know. Well, those photos were inconclusive, right? Nah, they know it was brains. No, the, the, a scientist said that was brain matter, period. But the cops who were ill-equipped at the time were like, I wonder what that is. <laughs> okay. I, I, I don't know. It might be jelly. I don't know. Maybe they had fucking liver for lunch. I don't know what the hell is going on in this rental. Oh, it's, it's duck liver pate. Yeah. So Robert, Bob's son, offered the theory that Crane's second wife, Olsen, must have been involved because she benefited financially more than anybody else. Because the, the divorce wasn't final. She got everything. Now, now we're back to Scotty. Good old Scotty. Entrepreneurial young man here. Yeah, he took I was all the photos into this. and videos, and he started a porn website where he charged people to watch Bob Crane bang chicks and look at 19, the, the boobies. Nineteen ninety-five a month. <laughs> BobCrane.com. It's yep. it's not there anymore. I looked. What they and, eventually did is it ended up being a memorial. Like the family was outraged, and it, it went on for years, and then it ended up being a memorial page, and then it just disappeared. What I don't understand is why Bob didn't have enough foresight to see that he could have sold the videos and made money and he wouldn't have been broke. And, you know, well, well, in the movie, in the movie autofocus, and I'm not sure if you're going to go there or not, because we've we're already past his death, but he had mentioned to uh, John Carpenter, they were they were going to try and make a porn movie. Uh, with like another high paid with another famous actress um, and and Carpenter was like oh, I'm not, sh she would never do that she would never do that and and Crane was like she's an actress she'll you know if we pay her enough she'll do it and that was when he got super dads and then Carpenter was like oh well I guess we're not going to do that now <laughs> oh shucks <laughs> uh, so we, we mentioned the 2002 film autofocus uh, the critics love the film. The fans thought it sucked. I, yeah, I never I, saw it. I, I thought it was okay. I wouldn't mind seeing it redone, though. Like, this is a movie where I wouldn't mind seeing, a, a, like, a newer, modern take on it with, with more information. Uh, it was. I mean, it's a good movie, though. It's good at great well, acting. I love Willem Dafoe. He's a great actor. I do, too. Oh, I like him a lot. Uh, the movie was good. But my problem is with any movie of like this, because the family doesn't want their loved one to look like a piece of garbage, that you're not really getting the whole story. Right. There's a lot of pieces that are just going to be missing. His his first son and and the other the other two children from the first wife all said that he was a good father. He always tried to make their life, you know, fun. He was always attentive to their needs. That his fame never got in the way of him spending time with them. Not that he was a good husband, but well, once again, being a good dad is different than being a good person. It's a weird dichotomy there. Yeah, like I don't know what the difference is, but like there are there are people who are really shitty dads and everything else in their lives. But it's just a weird thing where there's like these dudes. They're like, yeah, he murdered eighteen people. But man, his kids loved him. Took him to <laughs> baseball practice and got him ice cream. And there's a weird fucking thing there with that. Uh, well, it, it, the same goes for like there's there's great people too who are like you know great people in in their per in their like work life whatever yeah, they're doing outside of life dads. and they're real shitty dads you know oh yeah oh yeah so goes both ways. So I had mentioned that the DNA was tested twice more. Mm -hmm. In 2015, the Scottsdale police tested the last of the blood samples from the rental. 
and they found two DNA donors, neither of which were Crane or Carpenter. Mm. What do you do with that? And there's still no brain matter to test. Yeah, they never recovered that. No. Clerical error. Somebody walked off with it. I got Bob Crane's brain. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the whole thing is just a giant mess. So here's my advice to, to people. If you got an ugly friend and you're banging chicks with him, eventually it's going to go south if you're the good-looking one. So don't get yourself murdered. That's right? been my curse, my curse my whole life. Right. If you're going to bang chicks with your friend, make sure it's another good-looking dude. So neither one of you has to kill either of you. So when I was when I was in the navy, quick story. This is how me and John always end up going 2 hours. When I was in the navy, we were up at Great Lakes. And there was a dude, our buddy uh, Ollie from California. He was like this good-looking blonde surfer dude. Like the girls always flocked to him, so we hung out with him. You know, he's okay. <laughs> and uh, uh, one day something happened. We were in the city, and he actually he got shot in the face, just on one side. It hit his cheekbone, took out a chunk of his face. Uh, he went into shock, didn't show up to to roll call like three days later. And then when he showed up. He hadn't gotten any medical treatment because he was in shock. Just I don't know how he got from Chicago back up to up to base. Um, because he disappeared in the street. Like we were there talking to the cops, and we said, Well, one of our buddies got shot. He said, Where is he? I said, I don't know. We, like he should be right here. Anyway, so this side of his face was all fucked up. <laughs> and this side of his face was still surfer boy. So we went to restaurants and made this side of the face sit towards the room. So the girls would still come <laughs> over. <laughs> Then they come over and say, oh, my God, he's fucked up. I said, oh, I'm okay. <laughs> That's the original clickbait right there. <laughs> what was his name? Give him, give him a shout out again. Ollie. I love you, Ollie. Ollie. Miss you, bro. <laughs> let's uh, let's do a little like uh, we forgot to do the, the house cleaning at the beginning. So let's do a little house cleaning here. We are all a part of the Deluxe Edition Network. You can find uh, all the other great shows over at deluxeeditionnetwork.com. And uh, the reason I say that now is uh, let's do a little round table here like Horsin' Around does from over uh, on the network. Um, so what's everyone else's thoughts? Uh, let's start with you, Ray. Do you think it was uh, Carpenter? I do believe it was him 100%. I think he was jealous. And when he told him to, to you know, agitate the gravel and go away uh he was like well i don't want to do that so i'm just gonna fucking beat your brains in and run off 100 percent, allegedly because i don't want to get sued but i i allegedly think that it was him he's dead so you don't have to worry about it he's probably got family so (laughs) i don't know i don't know i didn't read anything about i didn't i didn't dig too deep into him yet i i will uh later Mike, what do you what do you think? Well, I, through the whole thing, I would say, yeah, absolutely. Then you get to 2015, and neither one of the DNA donors matched Crane or Carpenter. Blood could have been in the car from anywhere, and that was that was the biggest piece of uh, circumstantial evidence that they had that there was tissue matter and and blood in the car, and it kept on going back to that during the trial. So, without that, I'm not sure. I'm on the fence. I, I, I lean towards, yeah, he did it, but let me, let me lean you in that direction though, because we got the cord around the neck. All right. He was obviously killed with that and then mutilated with the fucking tripod, which is a camera tripod, which both connected to his profession. Uh, tri- okay. And they did some hinky tripod shit. was never found. Right. So he took it with him. That's it was the, never found. You don't know that it was a tripod. Well, I, in the investigation, they, they don't just say they thought it was a tripod. They said that the murder weapon turned out to be a tripod, and that was because of the depressions left on the body. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. So they must have had something like so like two uh, like two yeah. marks or something like together two or, marks or uh and there was probably like a camera laying on the floor with no tripod <laughs> <laughs> like these investigators were not very sophisticated so they were like hmm let's see what's 
what's different about this room? Well, the couch is still here. So that's not the murder weapon. Is the fridge in the kitchen? Yeah. Shit. That's not the murder weapon. <laughs> what's missing from this room? What's not plugged in? <laughs> what's that camera supposed to be sitting on? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, up until the 2015 blood sample testing. Now, that blood sample could be, that's why I'm on the fence, because it could be so degraded that they're not going to get. And if it was handled so poorly, it could have been contaminated at the same time. Mm -hmm. So I'm leaning towards John Carpenter, but I'm I'm not sure. Yeah, so like when they say they tested that sample in 2015, so you're telling me that from 1978 to 2015 that that sample stayed perfectly exactly the way that blood is supposed to stay for you to sample it? Also, nah. they say it was the last of the blood sample, so it was a tiny little bit that they had left. Right. Mm -hmm. But the technology in 2015 for DNA far surpasses anything they had back when they originally tested it. So I, I don't know. Sure. I, I would like I just, to see. I just feel like it was too old at that point, and they probably just had it laying on a fucking shelf. You could. Right. That's what I mean. On a rag that they just. <laughs> They took a rag and rubbed it on the car and threw it on the shelf. And they're like, yeah, we'll test, test this. Yeah, we'll test that later. And uh, also. Uh, so, Casey, you're leaning Carpenter? No, no. So, yeah, the other thing was uh, the, 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 the brain matter. I would like to see pictures of the brain matter. I'd like other scientists to, to have a look at the, the brain matter. So those scientists from 1978 took a look at the those photographs of the brain matter and no they were the only like no, no this was that was later that was in 92 yeah. oh 92 okay yeah the, the 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 blood was tested and the tissue the tissue pictures were were thoroughly examined in 92 and that's what allowed them to go forward with the trial right they reopened the case and that's when real actual people who were like scientists and you know investigators looked at the shit and they're like why are there brains in the car yeah. Why did no one think uh, that was a big deal? It wasn't just Jimmy he, Joe at the impound saying, hey, you, you, there's something in the car here. <laughs> Dude maintained his innocence until his death. You know, it's uh, like most most of the time, for the most part, when shit like that goes down and it's like a big case like that, they're like, I did it. I no, was the one. No, they don't. That rarely happens. Deathbed confessions <laughs> very rarely happen. These assholes are, you know, they took that they landed on the moon to their deathbed. <laughs> All right, so let's let's break the news here. Uh, Mike, Mike, and I are going to be starting a, a Berks County. It's called Berks County Unsolved Deluxe Edition. It's like a true crime thing. Our area where we live. There's a lot of unsolved murders. Uh, this kind of like reminds me of one that we'll be touching on briefly. We we did it before. Mike, I think you might have talked about it on your show and horsing around talked about it on their show. Uh, but the Gary Redner murder. Yeah. Uh, he was a big wig in our in the Berks County area. He, his family owned a bunch of grocery stores. But like the rumor word on the street is that he was like sleeping around with a lot of, of women and stuff as well. Not to the degree that I don't think that I think Bob Crane was doing. I don't know if he was filming it or anything like that. But one of the things, one of the the speculations is that one of the husbands that you know caught him or caught the wife is the one that did this. So like that, that's I mean, all the women that Crane was sleeping with, you you know, some of them had to be married. Yeah. You don't think one of those dudes got really pissed off one time? and Well, you know, at least one did because he mutilated a picture and put it on his ex-girlfriend's door. Yeah. I don't know if you guys know this, but husbands don't like their wives sleeping with other dudes. I, I don't know if you knew that was a thing, but it's, it's kind of a common thing that I'm aware of. <laughs> right. So why wouldn't one of them murder Bob Crane? Well, I think it's very possible. It, oh, it's 100% possible, but none of them had his brains in their car. That's true. <laughs> well, 
or brains. Yeah, we don't period. know that though because th- we don't know yeah. that because they were so focused on Carpenter. Had they had they checked the rental car and there had been no blood or brains in it, I'd be like, all right, the dude probably didn't do. It. It, you got a guy who was bludgeoned to death. His his head's cracked open all over the wall, and you're driving a car and it's got brain matter in it. I mean, and allegedly, you've had, and you've had your finger in his ass. I mean, come on, <laughs> that's a legend. That's a legend. <laughs> allegedly, mm-hmm. I don't know. It, I mean, hey, it's still unsolved. They never, they never convicted the dude. So, I should go into Who police knows? work. I think I'd be good at this. I could have solved this thing for them. I would have walked in and said, "Hmm, have any of his friends stuck their finger up his ass recently?" <laughs> All right, we have motive. <laughs> Guilty. Well, uh, we're going to try to get to the bottom of uh, some more of this because as I do, I, I deep dive and I've already reached out to uh, one of the sons about coming onto the podcast. So we oh, shall you did not. We shall see. Scotty. Uh, yeah. So, so uh, I've, I've reached out. So hopefully uh, hear something back within the next couple of days. That would be cool. <laughs> yeah, it would. Yeah, and uh, Mike, you're more than welcome to come back for that one if if uh, he does agree to do it. I mean, I, the first thing I'd ask was, how do you feel about your dad running around like that? So that's probably not the question he wants to hear. Well, once again, celebrities all run around. That's what they do. So that he's yeah, it's not that uncommon. Look at how many times these people get married, get divorced, and once again, we interview celebrities, and you're not all bad people. One of the things so that I, I read, I, I have to preface. I heard your disc- disclaimer I, before. <laughs> I have to, I have to throw my disclaimer out there. Not all celebrities are bad people, because if you listen to when I talk, you will think all celebrities are bad people. That is not the case. I love celebrities. They are very nice to me. I have never interviewed a celebrity that was not nice to me. Dude, anything else about the uh, the Bob Crane? Uh, no, that's it. Unsolved we took murder. It on. Yeah, dude, this was awesome, man. Thank you for uh, taking over. Please uh, plug away where where people can find you, all that good stuff. You're going to want to check out um, Take on the World Pod on most of the socials and on YouTube, T-O-T-W Pod. And uh, every Thursday, except for December and the beginning of January, (laughs) we we release uh, a new video podcast. We do... This kind of stuff. We do history. We do like when I with my son, we do nerdy stuff because we're both nerds from way back. And what else did I do? Oh, we, we used to do beer reviews. We're not doing them anymore. I just drink the beer. You should <laughs> but, do uh, that. You should still do the beer reviews for like uh do your like for the reels, the one like a one minute reel of a beer review. Tag tag them and all you really have to do is just take a sip and go, it drank pretty good. I can drink mm, it. That's good. That's mm, it. That's good. That's mm. a good view right there. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> that's the review. That's it. T-O-T-W. Awesome, dude. Check us out. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. Uh, this Thank was you. fun. Real quick, since we forgot to do it, also the uh, podcasts of the month. Go check them out. Bev's Video Kingdom. Barrel Aged Flicks and the Kindness Matters podcast over at deluxeeditionnetwork.com. If you'd like to check out all of our previous shows, go over to deluxeedition.show. Come over and check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash deluxe edition pod. Or check us out on Instagram at deluxe edition pod. You buy a t shirt at whatamaneuver.net slash collection slash deluxe dash edition. Mike is sporting one of those right there one of the den network shirts you can get one of those over there as well uh let's see ray what do you got the first edition first the first edition shirt oh i got nothing i got nothing go over to 10 cent uh beer night podcast on t public and get your uh, official bootleg merchandise for you know whatever you want just send me a message you know, you want to take on the world shirt? I'll make you one. Cease and desist on the way. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it works. 
<laughs> and uh, once again, check out all the other great shows over at deluxeeditionnetwork.com. I right. can't say enough about the, the Deluxe Edition Network. I'm I'm proud to be a part of it, and it just keeps growing and growing and growing, and it's great shows on there, so there's something for everybody. Yeah, thank you, buddy. And, yeah, we just added added another one. I keep fucking the name of it up. It's uh, sort of kind of funny or kind of sort of funny, one of those. Uh, sort of kind of funny. Sort of kind of funny. It's a great show. It's a sister and brother, and uh, they are they are not sort of kind of funny. They are They are funny. They're a good show. Go check them out. Me and my sister be punching each other. We couldn't do that show. <laughs> <laughs> All right, boys. Anything All else? All right, guys. That's it. Good to Go see you, Mike. Go take on the world. Later, brother. Later. <laughs>